I wasn't going to say anything. I was not going to turn on a radio or a TV. No screen time whatsoever. Has anyone tried something like that? Boy, in, in this day and age, it's harder than you think. You know, we're so accustomed to all this noise, noise, noise. But it was amazing to walk through the woods in Kentucky and, and to hear the deer just kicking the sides of the trees and to hear the, the woodpeckers uh, going at it. But it's good to hear that song. That song, you know, virtually word for word, the 23rd Psalm. And those of you who have Catholic friends or Episcopalian friends or Lutheran friends or maybe a lot of other Methodist friends, Psalm 23 is a part of the lectionary. So is John, I am the good shepherd. And, you know, doggone it, I've already preached those in the last couple of years here, but we have some good stuff. But as long as God's people have been gathering together, they have been sharing in these psalms, the psalms, the 23rd psalm. And there are certain passages that I just really need to hear in the King James Version. Well, maybe there's just one passage, and it's the 23rd Psalm. And so I want you at home to join with the rest of us here in the sanctuary, and we're going to recite the 23rd Psalm together the way the King James Version lists it. And so let's do this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Beautiful words. The Lord is my shepherd, and that means that I have no fear. Instead of fear, we have comfort, even in the shadow of death. And we know that for there to be a shadow, there has to be a source of light. And John's gospel lets us know that the light of the world is Jesus Christ. And the darkness of the world cannot overcome the light of the world, the true light. And so we're left with this shepherd, shepherd imagery. I had never seen that video of the sheep getting pulled out of one crevice only to, to jump right into the other one. But the shepherd imagery, and it's certainly an image that Jesus was drawn to, comforted by, and something that he understood his mission and ministry to be just that. And so we have this classic text that we talked about just a couple of years ago. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand is different than the good shepherd. The hired hand runs away because of fear, and yet we know that God's shepherding love replaces our fear with comfort. And so we think of Peter. The Apostle Peter, who when the Good Shepherd was going through the process of being tried and crucified, Peter had fear and he ran away, denied even knowing who Jesus was. He denied the Good Shepherd. But then something happens to Peter and to all the others. 
Something incredible happens to them, and this incredible thing can happen and does happen to you and I right here, right now in 2021. And that is once the Holy Spirit gets a part of us, once the Holy Spirit is the one that we acknowledge is going to shepherd us to be the man or woman that God calls us to be, then there is no fear. There is a holy boldness. A holy boldness. Timothy says, for the Spirit of God gave... The the spirit that God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And so Peter is a new man, the good shepherd, who laid down his life has changed him. The Holy Spirit has a part of him, and now he is doing things that he had only seen Jesus do. There is this account where Peter and John, these two giants of faith, are walking along, and this guy asks for money. He's not been able to walk for years. And Peter says, I don't have any cash to give you, friend, but get up and walk. And it just blows people's minds that Peter was able to do this, and they start challenging him. How were you able to do this? And so this is what Peter said. By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, watch out once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, this man standing before you in good health, by the, this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John they, and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, They were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. This holy boldness, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide him, to shepherd him, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldness. You see, Peter and John and the others received the same gift that's available to you and I, the gift of comfort, the gift of courage, and the gift of confidence. And I hope you'll worship with us on May 23rd when we celebrate the the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Now, we were talking in our lectionary study about this Holy Spirit, and, and someone asked, well, is the Holy Spirit always present? Is the Holy Spirit always shepherding everyone? Well, I said, yes, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And so one of the members of that lectionary group said, well, let's think about this scenario, Pastor Matt. Let's say you and I and a couple others, you know, we're all going to get together right there downtown Milwaukee, and we're going to decide who gets what district for our cocaine distribution plan. And we know exactly our supply route. We, 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 we develop plans of what we're going to do to eliminate those who want to, to kind of cut off our, uh, our chain of supply for the cocaine. Pastor Matt, is the Holy Spirit in that room? I said, yes, and being completely ignored. What is the only unforgivable sin, according to Jesus, according to the Bible? The blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, to deny the Holy Spirit's existence. The Holy Spirit is at all places and at all times seeking to shepherd us, shepherd us, to comfort us, to give us courage, to give us confidence, to let us know that we are loved loved. So there's this little book towards the end of the Bible. If you, you know, if you have really thin pages, you can just skip right past it. First letter of John, I always call it the book of love. 
But listen to these words from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. It says, this is how we know what love is. And don't we all want to know what love is? How many songs have you heard with that lyric right, right in it? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The good shepherd who lays down his life. Laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him everything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to do what? To love one another as he commanded us. And friends, we are equipped with everything that we need to do that kind of love, to extend that kind of love. And so that's our call before us. The same spirit that transformed Peter, gave him comfort, courage, and confidence, does that for us too. And so with that in mind, when I look at this, this text, I see three things that, that I think are applicable for us right now. Things that we already know, but things that we need to be reminded of. And the very first one is this. We cannot love God and ignore those in need. You can't truly love God and simply ignore those who are in need. To truly love God, we must, all, we must love all of God's children. We must do this for the one who laid down his life for us. Christ had the capacity to transcend his own self-interest. And friends, that is what is expected of the Christian as well. I believe that we can be a conduit of comfort, of courage, and of confidence for others through our acts of love. Which leads me to the second thing I, I see out of this. True love is love that is in action rather than love that is merely spoken. Peter says, faith without works is dead. I say, we can talk a great faith, but will we walk a great faith? You know, talking about starvation with somebody doesn't feed someone who is actually starving. No, we must have action. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Peter says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things, God might be praised through Jesus Christ, this good shepherd who laid down his life. And it is this kind of active love, living out the Christian faith that really brings us our Christian assurance. But I said there were three things. And so the last is this. A life of faith is not, will not, ever be without conflict and dilemmas of conscience. A life of faith doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's always going to be conflict and there's always going to be dilemmas of faith. But friends, along with this confidence of this conflict, there is also confidence 
We have confidence before God. That's what that text said. Other translations say we have boldness before God. Have you ever had to be bold with your faith? So as a part of this, this getaway, yes, I golfed in Kentucky. And then I went down and visited some friends that, that moved down. And in the course of one year, I had a lot of my friends just all moved down to Nashville. Nashville is exploding in its population right now. And so there was going to be this dinner, and there were going to be some folks and some uh, co-workers and friends of others were going to be coming over, and, and I was told, and I'm going to just call the man John Doe, right? John Doe. Uh, oh, and Pastor Matt, John Doe, the atheist, is going to be coming. And I said, wow, that's quite a title. He is the atheist. And I thought, well, how do I introduce myself to John Doe, the atheist? Hi, I am Matt, the monogamous heterosexual God believer. I mean, what, what was I going to do? But I think my friend gave me this kind of a warning because I think this guy who is very intelligent, PhD, uh, really wanted to try and challenge me. That was the impact I, or the, the effect I got. And sure enough, as time went along, I think he was intentionally trying to poke at me, intentionally trying to embarrass me or offend me by some of the stories that he was telling, just completely inappropriate stories that he was telling. And then once he started talking about his views on women, claiming that he is a misogynist, that, that all women, no, no matter what age, are just there for him, to please him, to serve him. And I got up and I left the room and uh, went to the room where I was staying, just Breathe, 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 right? Because, you know, I'm a Christian man. And how are you supposed to respond to that? And so I was looking for some comfort. I was looking for some courage. And then I got the confidence. And I went back down there. And uh, I told him exactly what, what I thought of that. I think I did it in a Christian way. I'm not sure. And so, friends... There's always going to be conflict in a life of faith. And that's just, a, I mean, no one was getting hurt, although the host was very wounded by this. This was not what she wanted to have happen. And as a woman, I'm sure she was greatly offended. But this shepherd God gives us confidence and courage. And, and when we need it most, comfort, comfort. And so how would you respond you know, how, how would you respond? Would you have that kind of courage to say what needed to be said in a loving and peaceful way? Are you, are you willing always at all times to speak the truth in love? I confess to you that I'm, I'm not always. Sometimes it's easier to just avoid that conflict, especially knowing that you're never going to see that human being ever again. But I was positive that that's where the Spirit was leading me. So this text from 1 John, the lectionary ends there, but I want to go just a little bit further. Because there is a warning. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Is it really the voice of the shepherd who is speaking to us? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And so, friends, we need to test every spirit because the shepherd God is certainly trying to lead us in paths of love. So how can we test every spirit? How do we know that if it really is the spirit of God or if it is some other spirit, a spirit such as our own self-interest, our own self-interest? Well, one person on Thursday night offered, or Wednesday night, I'm sorry, offered up the, the thought, well, if it doesn't meet the golden rule, then it's not of God. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And because I'm a Methodist preacher, and I know that we have lots of Methodist confirmands that have come through here, I also threw in that John Wesley quadrilateral, that formula that we have to decide what we're doing, if it's the will of God or not. And that is scripture, experience, tradition, and the ability to reason things through. And so, brothers and sisters, praise God for this shepherd God who gives us this gift of comfort and courage and confidence. May you all live your lives beyond yourselves with comfort and courage and confidence. Amen.